Hello, friends. Konnichiwa, and welcome to Banter Podcast. This podcast is a conversational experience that starts off with your usual buffoonery, if you will, and then we let it organically grow into something deeper and much more meaningful. You know, we get to challenge each other's insights and perspectives, share stories, all that good stuff. So lock it up, let your hair down, and get your beaks wet because we're going places. Poof. All right, yeah, your gain's higher than mine, so... That's the sound of my gain, working on your gain. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. What song is that? Fucking Sam Cooke, man. Oh, the greatest. Man. Chain Does gang. he actually sing it like that? Because that sounds like the Friends version. That's the sound of the man, <laughs> working on the chain. Holy shit. Gang. All right, well, I gotta check that one out. Classic, man. Yeah. And I say that, I know we throw that around a lot. Classic, but... It's a real classic. Yeah, that's a true, honest classic. It's one of classic. his true bangers. Yeah. What is a classic anymore? Like, is that... Is there a timeline to a classic? I think if you're talking about cars, a classic is 20 years old. Fucking guy. Rats. Marbles. <laughs> yeah, like, I... Yeah, if you... If um, if your car is more than 20 years old, it's considered a classic. But I'm saying, like, like music or, oh, like... Music. Um, mm. I think it's relative to the age group you're in. Like, if we talk about VHS tapes, like, old movies from the 90s or the 80s, those are classics. Yeah. Right? Like, Lion King would be considered a classic because it's over classic. 20 years old. Yeah. Over 20 years old is a good bracket. Yeah. I think I that feel. makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's pretty pretty viable mm-hmm. in my books. Very. Classical music, but that's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're going, going off that's into the, the deep end here. We have the episode, what's it called? Something about music. Music through the generations. <laughs> I mean, the title so, might change. That's it so very, crooner. Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds so like a train like whistle a, guitar. A, a fucking tweed blazer and a pocket watch. <laughs> music through the ages. It sounds like it's textbook study <laughs> material. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next uh, syllabus, we're <laughs> talking about music through the generations <laughs> with uh, Jeffrey Dean and Thaniel. And Thaniel, the third. Venturino. <laughs> the third. The third. Um, I see you have the Lysol wipes here at the table. Always. You want to explain why? And I what just, I'm, I'm the a clean boy. Through? I'm a clean boy. Like me some hand sandy. Get yourself the sugared vanilla if you can. Because it doesn't smell like fucking Bacardi. And uh, get yourself some Lysol wipes. Wipe it down. And N95 masks. Cause yeah. N95 or P95, whatever you prefer. Because currently we're actually undergoing this whole world... Mad pandemic or this world. madness <laughs> coronavirus people yeah, yep. i said it bam, 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 bam. yep coronavirus Let's there's like it. memes going on there's uh Let's i'm, not I'm waking it. yeah i'm waking up to um all these cp24 tweets this just in woman from blank <laughs> Iran. bolton bolton <laughs> dies um, snowball <laughs> Uh, with coronavirus or spouse of woman you know it's crazy it's like, you know is, is it fear mongering is it factual who knows either oh, way it, some people are getting freaked out listen I got the opposite of freaked out today I looked up um, if Purell was a public company publicly traded because I wanted to buy some stock not talking about the hand sanitizer turns out it's this family owned company called Gojo Oh, Ooh. I know Gojo. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hardly know her. But, Gojo. But <laughs> hardly know her. Gojo lost my mojo. Yeah. But Gojo 
in 2007 was acquired by Pfizer. Okay, got it. And Pfizer now has all the rights to distribute retail, office, everywhere. So if you want to invest, invest in Pfizer. Well, Pfizer is huge to the pharmaceutical, right? Yep. But the reason I know Gojo is because they're those... Um, Did you actually know Gojo? You're yeah. not just saying that. Okay. No, not for real. I'm not... Uh, You're not yeah, tickling I'm any being, horses. No. I'm not dandying anything up here. <laughs> this is a real deal. So the reason I know Gojo is because they used to... Um, um, how, what am I even talking about? You're talking shit, man. I'm talking mad shit. No, Gojo is like... You know how you have those like dispensers, those Purell dispensers? Yeah. Those used to be like, I used to see them as soap dispensers or hand washing stations, um, especially like in blue collar jobs, like labor or trades, mm -hmm. um, because there was like this Gojo orange citrus product that would clean your hands from like oh, motor oil and stuff. Oh, dude. The yeah. granny joint. Yeah. It was like, it was, yeah. Because yeah. when I worked la uh, landscaping and construction back that in the day. It smelled like orange Gatorade, yeah, bro. Yeah, the citrus stuff. And that's what I remember Gojo. And I don't know why the name stuck with me. Oh, but wow. That's I when I was like, did oh, that. yeah, I know Gojo. <laughs> I know Gojo. Fucking Gojo. That's a, good, yeah, that's a good street name. Gojo. Good hood name. Gojo Yamamoto. <laughs> Gojo Miramitsu. Yeah. That Gojo guy Yamasaki. And it's, uh, you can do anything with that. You Gojo can be anybody. Yamasake. You can do any, anybody you want. Yeah, like, so shout out to Pfizer. Yeah. I don't so, think they're going to be sponsoring us, though. Nah, but if you can, get some stock while it's still low. Where can I get these masks, though? I Dude, Amazon, if anything. What kind of mask you need, man? I want one with, like, a, a pug face graphic on it. <laughs> Just walk around with a... I don't have coronavirus, like, but I look like a pug. Buck walking. teeth? Like Bugs Bunny buck teeth? The tongue sticking out? Yeah, that'd be cool. There was some comic relief in this whole yeah seriously just scenario just turn your tv off every morning don't watch the media don't really pay attention to their narrative take create your own truth find your own independent do your own independent research get articles from other people more knowledgeable than Susie, the newscaster and also listen to what they have to say but don't take everything they say literally yeah face value yeah learn your truth yo yeah for real yo peace god learn your truth fam y'all fam yo are you dumb yeah, like, are you dumb right yo show us a debbie holding it down corona free let's go debbie yo drake drops some new shit you listen to it uh say when to say when yeah, yeah i did listen to the freestyle it's like it's a five minute freestyle it's that it's two songs in one there's yeah, say they, when they and there's samples. chicago freestyle i like the the, the first one he starts off with it's uh, the Jay-Z yeah. uh, song cry sample yeah. I mean that, that could have been sampled from something before mm. but I remember that was a really good song back yeah. when I was in like high school yeah <laughs> I think that's off the bl either the Blueprint or the Black album one of those two albums I think I can't I think Six City Nate would fucking be grilling me because oh, I remember he put it on his story his like favorite Jay-Z album and I put uh, <laughs> the Blueprint and then also told him Reasonable Doubt which yeah. is the OG album Either way. He's got to come on the show, too. Yeah. yeah. Nate, we got to get you on the show. Yeah, I was talking to him about it. Maybe Because I, I don't know fate. shit about Jay-Z like everybody else does. I'm oh. not. He's not. Everyone's going to hate me for this, but he's not in my top ten. No, I, I get it. I mean, I don't give it a all fuck, depends. To be honest. I just couldn't. It's like Rick Ross music. I just can't connect oh, to it. Can't compare Jay-Z to Rick Ross. Though. I know, but fuck it. More bullets my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got, I mean... It also pertains to a certain generation, I think, because Jay-Z was, like, old school hip... Not even that old school, but, like... 
Oh, he's old Late school. 90s? Yeah, early 90s. His early shit was... I li- honestly, I like his early, like, 94, 95, 96 shit. Yeah. More than and his... And that's when he was, like, anything. raw Brooklyn kid, for sure. But yeah. that wasn't his, his main... Like, that was for way sure. before he blew up. And that those tapes started getting released after he started getting popularity. But the true heads knew Jay-Z from his freestyles, him yeah. and Big L and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. We've all used to download off Kazaa and Morpheus. <laughs> LimeWire. <laughs> LimeWire. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was like good shit back in the were day. You, were you fucking with Napster back in the day too? Yeah, yeah. I had Napster, but I, I had it when they shut it down. Yeah, it was like I started downloading shit right when they shut it down. So I went right into Kaza or Kaza. Kaza. I used to say Kaza, but people say Kaza. Either way, you would just mm-hmm. download. You'd wait literally hours to download adult material or songs and you didn't even know if it was good yeah you'd have to you'd be gambling you all the time hoped. it could have just been like a hoax maybe like donkeys and little people and god forbid somebody made made a phone call you would have been duped yeah duped with a <coughs> poop duped nukem yeah but to better days what a time <laughs> to be alive now for real now it's like children could be streaming which is terrifying Oh, they're streaming you know all I mean? day. Like you know, Tumblr. One of the most like, disturbing um, images I've seen in the past five years was a fucking toddler in a booster seat in the back of a fucking Oldsmobile with a fucking iPad doing hand gestures and swiping and doing shit I didn't even know you could do with a fucking iPad. He's fucking oh, like two not, years old. Not looking at adult material though, right? No. Oh, I was going to say his that heart. crazy. Bless his fucking heart. I think, but it's kind of... I get it, because that's scary, because we didn't do any of that, and that was not around. But I feel like kids are just, it's like a, they're born into it. Like, yeah. using a microwave for us was normal. Yeah. But, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when that's I was like, five, yeah, I was I guess that's reheating a... pasta and filet mignon. <laughs> filet mignon. Filet mignon and pas- pasta? Filet mignon. Pasta, man. Pasta? You say pasta? I say pasta. Pasta. Interesting. Yeah. She was driving too slow, so I had to move pasta. Okay, what do you call a fake joke, noodle? What? What do you call a fake noodle? What? An impasta. <laughs> Cheer! <laughs> oh, man, we should have a dad joke situation. Yeah, uh, we got like, dad segment. joke corner. People, if you have dad jokes that you uh, want us to read in write certain in. accents. Write them in through letters. We have yeah. a P.O. box. Send, send them over to us. You know, DM us or get in touch with us. However... Way you can carry your pigeon. Wherever pay per views can be bought. <laughs> um, today's topic, man. Yeah, what the fuck is the topic? We barely touched the. We were in more deep conversation with coronavirus earlier, but I think we just skimmed the surface there. Well, I think one thing just that we. Just grazed the balls. Yeah, we just kind of. Little flesh wound. Yeah. I don't know what that means. We just left it, you know, we tabled that. We kind of said what we had to say, and now we're moving I th- on. I think what. Uh, what I brought up earlier because it's like a real thing and um, it's a serious issue for for sure um, handling change in life you know like a lot of us all of us go through it but I feel like in today in today's day and age we're seeing a lot more awareness or posts on mental health which is I think is incredible and I think people are starting to turn um, throw terminology around a lot really loosely and also in a meaningful way, but it's hard to filter out what's valuable to us because it's so subjective. Everyone is so complex. 
whoever you are, whoever you know, like there's always somebody that you know, in, yourself included, that's going through some hard shit. Um, and I used to not be empathetic to that because I was never in a place where I could understand it fully and understand the gravity and weight of what anxiety feels like, what depression feels like. But I think sometimes it takes like a, a really low point in our lives or um, kind of like one of those revelations or um, you know complete failure to realize that this is a real thing. Mm. And I think you know Nate, Nate and I, like you and I were talking earlier about we can't speak on behalf of women. You know, we understand that women go through these things just as much as men do. But I think with men, and I think we've agreed on this, that a lot of us men, and could be also a generational thing, but a lot of us don't tend to share it that often because we try to be that rock. We try to be that provider. And we're more, um, we tend to think that we're more solution-based. So instead of vocalizing it, we'd rather try to act on it and, and, and fix it silently and that sometimes that really weighs in on weighs on us because yeah. you know it's hard to be open and vulnerable i mean it's a it's a work in progress for men i think because masculinity has had such a um synonymous name to the idea of being strong and tough and silent and kind of just shut up and do it mm, i get a part a of that yeah be a man man up and I, I understand where that comes from, and I, I live with some of that in me, and I've grown up with a lot of that, and I know you have too. But then it's like, I think if I can make one statement that kind of encapsulates some of my thoughts is talking about masculinity is men, us men, I'm speaking on behalf of me and my brothers and my, my, you know, my family members that I, I know and I love and I have a good relationship with as men, is like, we're more than just providers. Like we have a lot more to offer because we're human beings too. Just like women have a lot more to offer than what, you know, the standard was way back in the days. And it's cool to see that growing and moving into a more positive mm-hmm. and open space. Cause I think that's well-deserved. Shouts to women. Shout out to women. Gotta love the women, you know? But I think men are starting to, it's starting to become like, um, man, it's okay for us men to talk about shit. I'm not saying, you don't have to be a crybaby air quote, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think it does. Talk therapy is such a huge thing. And I only learned that later on in life recently. Um, but I think it takes certain um, minutia and certain kind of angles to really be comfortable with doing that and something like a trustworthy source. Yeah. But that's something I think we're going to get into in this um, episode because it's something that's reoccurring in terms of conversation that we have in recent years or yeah. recent months. Do you think there is an implication for us to become conscious of uh, being emotionally grounded or in tune with ourselves now as men in like 2020 versus like 50, 70 years ago? Because mm-hmm. I feel like... Um, that time where like I don't know like World War II would be an example of men coming home after whatever the fuck they experienced and just being like shut off completely out of touch with their emotions Mm -hmm. Um, and that relaying onto their children and their upbringing so do you think that 
<clears throat> excuse me, it's more of a emotionally conscious thing we're coming through now through the information age and and being able to share how we feel through the internet and other devices where people can open up more that way versus the traditional methods of sitting there and talking to your brother, your father, your friend face to face. Yeah. Um, I think definitely shit's definitely changed so fast and it's like we haven't experienced this in history of mankind. Yeah. Well, not that we know of, but like this level of change and this rate of change rapidly and, you know, the informational boom, people are starting to like the research is starting to add up now because how could you measure it from the world like World War Two? Like that shit didn't even matter World War Two because it was a different thing. But as the information A's kind of snowballs into like, you know, give it saturated information, but also more awareness was what it is like to be a human fucking being and a contributor of the world. Yes. People are starting to see that um, they're starting to see things more on, on a granular level in terms of humanity, which is like personality things and like um, shit's changing again, like I said, but I think um, the importance for men to be vocal about things, it's starting to get uh, more light on it because... Um, yeah, I, I mean, going back to, like, the information age, what you were saying mm. is, like... I think I'll serve you there because I think um, something that just sparked in my, in my mind was, like, the recent uh, period of, like, feminism mm-hmm. of, I don't know, certain movements. I feel like there was not necessarily backlash, but a response from, like, men uniting with other men to be like, hey, do you feel this way about... X topic mm-hmm. yeah I feel that way too and there was like this this kind of like wall that was let down where like guys could be emotional and, and have that connection with each other and talk through shit whereas back in like the uh, I, I want to speak like I'm, I'm I grew up in that time but there was an era when men were fucking sent to war mm-hmm. and the lucky ones that came back were just PTSD PTSD there was all these different things and and it was just chalked up as oh PTSD take some um, pharmaceuticals and and be on your way yeah so there was no air to speak about emotions yeah as a man I think back then yeah and because everybody still had that militant mindset ingrained in them too yeah and that's carried over a lot in generations because we're like one generation away from that being like that. Yeah. Like our, our fathers, like my dad still has a bit of that, a lot of that actually. And he's starting to become more open about these things. And it's such a gratifying, um, such a rewarding and like really, um, um, yeah, it's just a gratifying feeling to see my dad even still growing because he's open-minded about things like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it's, you know, a lot of that generation, like growing, like the boomer generation or even like a little bit younger than that like guys that are like say in their 50s right now they you know they weren't around all the information that we're around now and like all that awareness there was a lot more privacy a lot more kind of pave your own way and and survive provide for your family and that's kind of like i think it was maybe not and i say this in a a way just coming from how i'm just speaking freely but i think it was supposed to be that way so we can kind of evolve it you know what i mean like 
what else were they supposed to do? That generation of men, for the most part, from what I know and um, from the relationships that I have of the men in my life uh, from that era, is like they were doing the best they fucking could, you yep. know, especially as being like, um, you know, for instance, coming to Canada as immigrants, first generation. Mm-hmm. Man, imagine trying to just assimilate into a culture to make a better life. Like if my grandparents didn't make that decision to move to Canada what if they stayed in the Philippines during the like you know when the Japanese were invading or you know um what if we were to move to somewhere different in the states or like anywhere else in the world like you and I wouldn't even be sitting here today I wouldn't be with you know little split second decisions Mm. affect affect us yeah it's such a trip to think about but then when you think about it in that way it's like you get super grateful and you just start to accommodate I mean it's ideal that you start to accommodate and accept your foundation and your roots because um, I know I'm kind of going off on a tangent but like yeah it's like it was more about survival at that point and kind of like just make it exactly now it's like we're we're not entitled but it's like it's just a a condition it's a different um, atmosphere yeah to where you're not worrying about well there's still like certain aspects of, of fear and stuff but not necessarily like it's just a different level of comfort mm-hmm. I feel now where you're able to have dialogues like this, not worried about being judged yeah, and uh, being emasculated. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, man, that's 100% because I remember growing up too, there's locker room talk was like a big thing, you know, talking about chicks, like you didn't respect them and... You know, I grew up around a lot of that because that was how to fit in. And that goes back to like that psychological hierarchy of needs from, you know, Maslow's or whatever. If you studied, you know, intro to psychology, you, mm. we all study that diagram, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And that, you know, I think in the second or third tier is um, the sense of belonging and sense of affiliation where it's like it's human, human um, nature to want to belong to a community, which is not wrong by any means, but that idea of like brotherhood or kind of community is like yeah you kind of become whatever you hear in that mm-hmm. thing right yep. so you're product of your environment and when you and you're surrounded by some of that when you're growing you don't really know any better that's kind of who you know that's your family or that's your tribe mm-hmm. but then as you you know start to acquire the years and the age of um age of reason yep. you start to like make your own decisions start to formulate your own truths which is a fucking beautiful thing but then, you know, I don't know. I'm just explaining from my kind of um, experience. Yeah. No, it's a good template. Um, I feel like a lot of <clears throat> a lot of um, gentlemen out there have experienced similar, um, not up- upbringings, but like similar paths to get to a level where they're comfortable talking about their emotions. And since our topic is about like change Mm -hmm. I think that brings us to like we kind of covered the roots of how we got to us even sitting down here to even talk about this topic Mm -hmm. Um, but within a a life as a guy or as a man the ups and downs of what others perceive men to be mm-hmm. as this rock as this um sense of security 
what is contained within that and what isn't being exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's like when when someone's like, you know, what makes you feel like a man? Mm-hmm. That can vary, but there are a lot of similarities between guys like you and I or a lot of the guys I know. So it's like what if we get into it, it's like, okay, what makes me feel like a man? Financial freedom or a sense of the idea that I can provide for the people that I love and that I'm successful. And if you dig deep into that, it's like success. What does that mean to me? To me, success means, of course, happiness, but also that I can go through life with my head up high and my, you know, my posture upright and being proud of the life that I'm providing for myself and my family. Mm-hmm. A lot of that, a lot of stuff comes with a territory of that, which is pride is what we've, you know, pride and ego. And I think that's a very human thing, but sometimes it all intertwines into like our insecurities because we put a lot of pressure on achieving these things. And if some, sometimes if it's not going our way or if we lose our jobs, that really it's a, it's detrimental to us a lot of the times because we're doubling down on ourselves and we're a lot of us are hard on ourselves Mm. and you know my therapist has countless times called me out and actually like saying she's she's actually been like i think you got to just be nicer to yourself you have to be kinder to yourself and like you hear that a lot nowadays too on like you know um kind of self-help and um certain instagram accounts and and youtube videos and stuff and that's there's a lot of validity in it but i think if you really try to practice it, it's actually very hard because there's so much information out there and everyone can acquire this information, but having the information and actually living and practicing it is, are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's like, I mean, it's good to know these things, but actually doing these and making them habits of yourself in your everyday life is very hard. And you have to show up for yourself to be able to implement these changes because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. And that's the hard part. That is the hard part because when you were talking about earlier of, of uh, like the pathway of becoming a man and going mm-hmm. through those experiences of bonding and brotherhood, that's all like within numbers. You're all kind of conformed within this cycle of an expectation of what a man is. Mm-hmm. And as you mature, as you grow and you have these different experiences and the element of reason comes into play you start defining what it means to you and how you hold that those morals and those values closer to you mm-hmm. so i think those transcend into expectations throughout your life of the values you hold from your upbringing from when you're a boy to a man and yeah. the I- idea of you being this rock or setting this expectation of being the provider to your loved ones, your family. And when things don't pan out the way you want them to, or you expect them to, you don't really have anybody to go to, to be like, Hey, I was wrong about this or Hey, this isn't working out. Yeah. There's shame in that, There's right? Massive shame. in and that. I think shame is a big thing that men carry. Um, and I think women are very, they're a lot better than us about vocalizing and venting, you know, just a quick example of is like Jenna and I, my fiance and I, we used to argue a lot back in the day when we were growing in a relationship is like, I'm so used and same with my sister too. Like there's similarities. Like I want to help. I want to provide solutions. It makes me feel more of like a man and like I'm helping. 
when they're venting. But sometimes I'm realizing now that sometimes they just want to vent and they want mm-hmm. to, you know, and it's hard at first to understand. Yeah, and we, you and I talk about this all the time off, off, off the air. Do you want my advice or do you want me to listen? Yeah. And, but it's thing, it's hard for us to be able to, to sift through that and to understand what is needed in that scenario, mm-hmm. you know, on her behalf. Yeah. But it's also hard for them to catch themselves. You know what I mean? Cause there's yeah, a lot of emotion in that. Out, right? Yeah. When and you're then, venting, there's emotion behind it. Right? Yeah. And you're trying to catch like the value items out of that yeah. and, and prioritize. So, okay. Yeah. And you're trying to, in your head, you're building a solution. Yeah. You're taking inventory on things that needed to be addressed on items. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and that's why I do believe that men and women's brains are different. Not yeah. entirely, because we're human beings. We're all on the same team at the end of the day. But psyche, there's it. They they work in different ways. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a professional, but I'm I'm happy to open that conversation up one of these days. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I I think going back to shame in men, and I see that that's carried over in a lot of the previous generations because there was no other option. It's either you make it and you be a provider and you know provide for your family. And I'm so grateful for my, you know for the the guys in my life for you know being that and like being able to raise me how I was and like have provided me with a good childhood because I know that wasn't easy um but it's also like now that I'm starting to understand and growing into that um the responsible role of like shit this shit is hard feeling like you have to provide and like you know a lot of the women in our lives they can take care of themselves for sure Mm -hmm. but it's like we still hang on and I'm starting to realize that it's ingrained in us to hang on to wanting to feel like a man like we can provide so it's like how often does like you're, you're going out to dinner and you know that we're in fucking 2020 right now and if a woman if our date or if our girlfriend or fiance or wife wants to pay oh, it's like, shit. you know what I mean it's like okay cool but it's a habit of mine for like you know I'm just speaking personally it's a habit of mine to want to just take the bill and be yes. like no I got it I don't know why that is and I don't I don't know if I see anything wrong with it I'm willing to even kind of have a conversation about that you know with someone about because it's just my inclination to want to take that yeah that makes me feel more like a man you know yeah and I think to some extent that hasn't fully left um for women entirely either right Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of bit of double standards flying around on behalf of men and women you know what I mean so I think we're in a really confused time but it's interesting now that's out coming up to the surface that it's like okay everyone like there should be more dialogue about this shit Mm -hmm. because it's like okay chivalry all of these things these old-fashioned things like you know a guy getting on one knee and proposing all these things have been kind of carried on yes but and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them but you know there's it's like romanticized yeah people are confused now right yeah because you can't have it both ways all the time sometimes but it's gonna take conversation yeah like you You have the whole term of being a boss in both avenues of men and women now Mm. but like you said like the man has to go down on one knee to propose that's Mm. still like a thing yeah I mean it's a confusing time because uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like yeah. it's um, it's hard to know, not even your role, because I think um, gender roles are changing in relationships too. Big time. Yeah, big time, right? And I I don't disagree with that, but it's um, change is again we're going back to change. Change is not easy, especially when people 
have ego and pride and traditional tradition invested into what they believe. Values, you know, yeah. these are values and beliefs, right? Like, say for instance, Catholic families, like Italian families, Spanish, um, Filipino families, and, and I'm sure a lot of other ones, but they're big on family, and a lot of that stems from religion and mm-hmm. and guilt and expectation. But yeah, I don't know, man. It's a crazy time. The climate is insane for every avenue of life, whether it's relationships or religion or just men having conversations about emotions. These are yeah. all like, it's new territory in terms of discussion. Things are changing, man. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about change because we it might change sound like... Change Yeah. Well, it sounds like, it might sound like we're going off on tangents, but at the end of the day, it's like shit's changing fast. And now we can actually be aware of how fast it's changing. And sometimes that gets overwhelming like handling change there are some years i find in my personal life experience that there's like one year that either someone close to me or myself has been experiencing just change after change and big changes like life changes and sometimes you know different maybe depending on our age or where we're at in our lives but sometimes it just becomes so overwhelming and it's not to say that like you're giving up and quitting and sucking out but it's like Sometimes you just need to take a beat because, like, we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves and life moves so fucking fast mm-hmm. that, like, change is, like, it's gonna, it keeps going. It's kind of like that John Mayer track, Stop This Train. Mm-hmm. Can't stop the train. Shit's changing. How do you ride this wave? How do you surf this shit? That takes life experience. It takes bravery. It takes courage. And it takes, like, willingness to fail. Yeah, being vulnerable. Yeah. To get hurt. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing because, again, it's like this thing that I consider maybe uh, like living in full color, meaning like ride the wave, experience everything, experience the good and the bad because that's all going to contribute to what you have to contribute to the world or your kids or your, you know, your grandkids. Um, It speaks to your character and like how you look at things, your perception of the world and what kind of a world you want to create for yourself. Mm-hmm. And like shit's always going to be changing. It's kind of like um, Elliot Hall said this thing, and it, it, the title of it was "The Cure for Depression." Okay. And that might trigger some people; it might not. But it's kind of like he was saying, like when you feel depressed, you know, and a lot of us guys, and he was talking to mainly young men, right? Because I feel like a lot of young men are looking for answers, but they're afraid to speak out vocally, right? Because again, 100%. the shame and ego, right? Yep. It's it's hard. So when you can listen to a video or watch a video and someone's giving you almost an answer that you've been looking for, it's so fulfilling. Um, But he was talking about the idea of like, um, you know, depression is like seasons. There are four seasons and they always pass. They're cyclical. So Mm. depression is cyclical. So if you just let it pass and understand it, acknowledge, going back to what I was saying about opening that door, that dark door where you feel like there's depression on the other side of that door, it's scary. You feel like you might lose all control. But if you keep that door closed and you don't um, venture out into the unknown, that's only gonna become a bigger problem and it's gonna become an elephant in the room. So if you take courage and bravery and you open that door and you explore, then you have full ownership of your kingdom, your house. It's not easy, it's scary as fuck. It's kind of like speaking to men manhood old school style it's like that's like slaying the dragon Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you're going in there and you're conquering your demons Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's such a big character move. But it comes to us men, and I'm sure women, but I can only speak for men again. But that's going to come to us at some point in our lives. It's like your calling. It's like, mm-hmm. man, it's like your true test. Straight up. You know, that's fucking crazy. What do you think of, like, what changes could be done or have you done where have you found yourself in certain predicaments where you've seen those dark doors or certain energies that you were conscious of? Um, I guess to kind of give some context to the listeners, I, earlier we were having a conversation about shit was changing. Last year I went through a really dark phase of my life where I had my first ever breakdown and I never ever thought I'd see the day. I you know, had anxiety attacks. It was, you know, initially I thought it was from work, but work just triggered it, triggered it. And it's all these things that I was, I, I self-imposed all this pressure on, um, all the stuff that we were talking about, like all like the pressure to, to succeed and to like, yeah, it, it just wasn't happening for me. I, I've put, I put certain things in my life in a pedestal and I wasn't managing my expectations and I started to really strip myself of my confidence and my whole character and who I was that was all starting to fade away and I've never felt that I've never been challenged in that way because I've always been pretty good at things that I tried naturally and I think that's been kind of a gift and a curse at this point um, and the moment I let what defined me as a creative as a designer um, I I, I I didn't see the other side of it as soon as I was challenged thinking that like, oh, maybe I'm not that good of a designer. I'm not doing good enough in this portion of it. That's when it all started to really jar my confidence because I wasn't used to being challenged that way. Mm -hmm. So that really rocked me and like, you know, mm, I started to really just like shell up and I was trying and I started to, it started to really eat away at me anyway. That caused me to eventually over maybe seven months of just kind of fucking exhaustion and me spinning my own wheels in my head. It caused me to break down. One morning I was on the bus on my way to work and I was like, I just felt sick. And I was like, not sick in the way like flu or fever symptoms. It's just like, I felt like, I don't even know how to describe it. I felt like empty on the inside and Mm -hmm. it hit me and I felt so depressed at one point and it hit me so fast. And again, like, you know, rewind to like a year before that when I was in Korea with, with Jenna and I was living in life, I was at such a high point in my life where I'm like, man, if I die today, mm-hmm. I am so at peace. I'm so happy. I'm just so fulfilled and grateful. Yeah. Fast forward to a year later after having my quote dream job is kind of like, man, didn't manage my expectations, put everything on a pedestal. And yeah, I got lost in the sauce and it wrecked me a little bit, but it was good. I mean, so I think your question was, I, well, I started seeing a therapist after Changes that. Changes to, yeah, solutions. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was changing. My solution was to like, go see help. Mm-hmm. Like I've never, the moment I stepped in a, a therapist, uh, a therapy office or a therapist office, I was like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. There was a, a lot of apprehension because I never thought I would get there. And I, there was a stigma around seeing a therapy, seeing therapy, you know, for your, um, for your mental state. Right. That's what I at least knew. And, um, yeah, just being in there was like fucking crazy for me. But as soon as I talked, I I saw two therapists and I ended up sticking with one. They're both good, but both of them, I fucking bawled my eyes out first, 
first 10 minutes they're like so what brings you here and i was like i didn't i my mind was so scattered i didn't know even where to start and then he started asking questions and then it just poured on different things fucking ball my eyes out in front of a complete stranger but it never i've never felt that weight off my shoulders and it's like i've always had good support in terms of family and friends to be sounding boards but i understand now that family and friends are really good to talk to it's important to be have have family and friends to talk to but they do have a job in your life and that is to also you know make you feel good mm-hmm. and pump you up and 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 remind you of how great you are yep. but that is a bias right yeah. they're biased and that's you know that should never leave but also it's also very beneficial for you to have someone that's not so emotionally invested in you personally that can actually help you find you again because yeah. a lot of people think therapy is there to help you and fix you and prescribe you something but that's not what i see therapy as i think they see, don't have an image burned in them exactly right you. and they're just really trying to get to the source of who you are, yeah. what you really value, without all those false expectations, all those fulfillment traps. They're just trying to see what makes you happy in general and how you can reclaim that. But they don't do the work for you. They make you motivated to to show up for yourself and do the work for yourself. And I feel like there's nothing more fucking fulfilling after um, embodying yourself again. Mm-hmm. Um, recl- self-reclamation is, I think, is one of the terms. And like, yeah. there's nothing more powerful than that, man. It's so profound. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so like not to go off on a tangent telling <laughs> the story, but changes and solutions. That was that was the first step of it. Yeah. Uh, going to see therapy, man. And that's another change I feel like in today's society's therapy being more of an open door that a lot of people shut out before because because many people thought broken. they had to be like prescribed therapy or they had to be quote unquote insane mm-hmm. to go to therapy but I think yeah shout out to Toronto it's a moment of silence um yeah just uh like you mentioned you were on the bus when this happened to you yeah and like obviously I don't know what you were going through I can I can relate though because like understanding you're being this is like at some point in the morning you're going to work repeating a cycle mm-hmm. of something and you're just on that fucking cycle when you're just like this is enough like I can't I need to ground myself because I'm so fucking my energy's all over the yeah. fucking place right now it was built up yeah yeah so I, I think that's where like therapy's being more it's being reframed as something that's human that's natural that I think we need in today's world because we're overworking the shit out of ourselves yeah and I mean going off that I don't think we take enough time especially right now to revisit who we are mm-hmm. to like really like invest mm-hmm. in ourselves we're always so busy and trying to achieve these goals because there's so much pressure you know men and women they're always like you know i want to become this i want to do this and that's ambition is one of those things that it's like it's great to have and that's put on a pedestal so like when when you're looking for a partner especially women they're saying like i want a guy who's ambitious and there's nothing wrong with that but that does come with a price every everything that's worth something comes with a price Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that us guys don't tend to talk about because we're used to being like okay we just got to deal with it we got to man up we got to fucking sack up and do it and there's nothing wrong with that either because toughness is something that i think 
helps. You know, it does make me feel like more of a man when my lady, my girl, my woman feels safe when I'm around. 100%. You know what I mean? And that does, you know, I see you smiling when I say that because it fucking makes me feel good. Fuck you know yeah. what I mean? It's a great feeling. You know what I mean? And that's guys just relating to us guys. And I feel like that does come with a, a price. That comes with being different than not having a radar for danger or protection. But all of those things do come with some of the baggage that guys have yeah. ingrained in, in mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? And there's the more conversation around it, the more it's going to help. But it, it's a long road. It's, we're in it for the long game. Yeah. I think like each one of those things, whether it's a relationship, uh, an ambitious endeavor, whatever the hell it is, we're also like calculating risk. That's extra weight that we're carrying relationship, mm-hmm. work, um, family, whatever it is, it's just weight. And when you're stacking enough weight on you and you're not paying attention to the vessel that's carrying all that weight, at some point it's just going to collapse and then you're going to be there to pick up the pieces. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's overwhelming at times. Like, sometimes when you stop to think, you're like, holy shit I have so much on my plate but at the same time it's like we put this on ourselves and it's not necessarily bad but sometimes it's good to just stop and take a beat and I was having a conversation earlier um, I actually had this conversation with my pops and my therapist actually um, referred this kind of exercise to me and you'll hear me refer to my therapist and or my pops or like any type of advice I've gotten because I really I'm engaged when I'm you know, seeking this help or having these conversations, same thing with you. Like I'll refer back to things that you've said before, Mm. but one of the exercises to really do for people like us, anybody that is used to having a lot in the air, a lot of balls in the air, um, putting a lot on their plate because you do want to be ambitious. You're creative and you want to do a lot of different things. You have a big appetite for life. I think that's cool. And that's part of who we are. If, you know, if you claim that as part of your character and a, a good way to not lose that to not fully abandon that is to maybe find something that we can do as a hobby that we don't feel pressure to be fucking good at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of us creatives, we try to monetize our passion and that becomes really hard because there's a lot of the boundaries become really thin because it's like, I love to create, but as soon as it becomes so much like work, it can yeah. either pr- present us with the, the idea of like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. Or it's like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's not fulfilling because exactly. you're you're the emotional attachment you have to that passion. You have to understand when to let it flow and when to cut it exactly. off. Exactly, because yeah. the pressures weigh on it, right? Like, yes. oh, you have to design, you have to be creative, but in this timeline, in this window, yeah, and it creates like a little like discomfort and tension, and then it's like it's gonna make you emotional. It's gonna blur those lines between like, fuck, like this is crazy, yeah. and then there's like those old school quotes like find a job that you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life and I think that's I. it sounds nice but I don't know man like shit's changing <laughs> big time because there's so much more out there now that we're conscious of uh, people doing yeah so that it came from fucking nothing and doing all this amazing shit so it's yeah. like there's that's, different avenues to get to that point yeah man like I, and that's why I think it is important to have something that can ground us like uh, you know for instance like say you and i we operate at like high frequency 
you know, yeah. our minds are always active. We're always going. And I know that because sometimes when we do design work together, you got like 3,000 fucking tabs open. <laughs> I'm the same way. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jenna saw my, my workspace when she's like, are you insane? Yeah. Like, close some tabs. I'm like, this is how my mind works. I'm yeah. nuts, man. Yeah. You know, same. she puts up a lot. But um, it's like, I think it'll help us to kind of create more of a balance for ourselves to f- do something that actually is at a low vibration frequency so it's like maybe we do need to just keep trying to do some reading without feeling like we're wasting time mm-hmm. so like we have to it's it's like again it's like a muscle that we have to exercise yeah. where it's like we're good at flexing the muscles of fucking rapid pace high energy full octane redlining shit right yeah. but then we haven't exercised the muscle of being calm and that's going to create some balance for us 100% so like things like reading or yoga yoga something like meditation, meditation. and then also like I'm actually thinking of like just drawing again yes. and I don't have to worry if it's shit or not. I'm just going to draw because it's something to, to slow things down. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think that's so important. I think that's something that we forget yeah. to do. And uh, yeah. hopefully this is getting through to some people listening because I feel like some people can relate to this. I'm as, as Nate and I learn these things, we share this and we talk openly on this podcast or this talk show, or whatever it's going to be called. I mean, it's like some people will really, it'll resonate with, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of our goal too. Like we're just learning at the same time as you guys can maybe learn something. Yeah. And if you guys write into us or if you want, if you shoot us a message, you know, we see that stuff and we take these in. But it's like we're tr- what we're really trying to do with this podcast is trying to create relativity and community and, and fucking openly learn. We're just trying to be mad open on yeah. this shit, right? Yeah, so. and spark more conversations. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Different ideas. Like, both of us are... I don't think we've ever... Like, no, us knowing each other, we've never been the ones to just be super judgmental. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, on the surface, there's, like... Obviously, like, there's roasting and there's jokes and stuff, but when we're actually very serious... We're not here to judge anybody mm-hmm. for anything. We're always open to learning new ideas or different views. And I think us both being coming from the creative background of designing for human beings, we both hold empathy very dear to our hearts. So mm-hmm. we're able to understand and, and put ourselves in other people's shoes and being like, okay, I can see why you would think that way. Yeah. I mean, empathy is a powerful tool and like you'll hear that word a lot in the in the design or creative space or innovative space, but they're starting to cash in. I mean, it's a human attribute regardless. It's not technical. It's not digital. It's human. Mm -hmm. So like when you can embody or kind of inherit real empathy, that's going to help you in your relationships and your friendships and life and your family dynamic because you're going to have to. It's not like you're rolling over and fucking being subservient or submissive but it's teaching you that um like vulnerability is part of being empathetic or it's like mm-hmm. you just kind of you can understand you can level yeah. and relate to yeah. human condition yeah it builds patience it will also turn around like you could be in a situation i don't know where like at a store or at fast food whatever and you could be this close to going off on somebody but if you are in tune and you're understanding their scenario as well you might not lash out at them like everybody else would yeah so it's just like another um 
I don't want to say level of knowledge, but it's so another leveling like, up, man. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, like you level up. Like it's helped me so much in my relationship personally because it's hard. Like especially when emotions involved, it's not always easy. Like it sounds easy, like the way we talk about it, or like when we can shoot the shit about it. But when you're actually in the heat of the moment, there's a lot of self-talk and self-thinking that's required. But the more you exercise that muscle, the better you become at it. But if mm-hmm. you only think about it and you put it in your back pocket or you put it in a jar and store it away somewhere, what's what good is it going to be? If you don't use it, you fucking lose it, right? Yeah. It's but, derived from like you doing the actual action. Yeah. It's that habit. You're saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, man, it's helped me in my relationship too. It's like now I know how to communicate better. I know I'm able to um, identify like love language is better and like see it from their point of view and i think empathy and sympathy are two different things but sometimes they They coexist together and you know growing up going back to manhood is like sympathetic wasn't always the thing it's more of like empathy is the door into being okay with being sympathetic by choice if that makes any sense yeah because sympathy is not my first reaction if if someone's whining i'm not going to be sympathetic right away i mean that's big in filipino culture sympathy Mm. But I think guilt is the background of that, and I don't like guilt that much. No. But what it's about like, compassion? Compa- well, that's part of like empathy, compassion, and yep. sympathy. I think those three kind of coexist, and they dovetail into each other, and they kind of circulate within each other. They're not the same thing, but they operate in very similar ways. But like compassion is huge, man. Like, and that helps through life experience. So does empathy and sympathy as well. But I think you're able to be sympathetic to someone that value sympathy for instance Mm. you know jenna my fiance it's like sometimes she wants empathy but sometimes sympathy's behind it and i used to think that was like come on man you're stronger than that but it's like no that's who you are as a person that was that's what makes you beautiful that's that's why i fell in love with you because of your family and your upbringing that's who you are a big part of that and it's not always that you want sympathy but a big part of that is like who you are as a person and that comes with the territory of fucking actually loving someone for real. So you can, having empathy and having compassion, you start to understand how valuable that is to them, not necessarily you. Yeah. And that's how important it is. But yeah. that makes you a way better partner. Yeah. You're much more conscious of both yeah. scenarios or yeah. visualizations of how people see or perceive um, what's happening at that moment. Yeah. You just become a better person, like right? And like... Um, I don't know, man. A lot of things spur that on, but mm-hmm. I feel like um, there's other stuff that we wanted to talk about too. But I think we can save it for another. Oh, we episode, got like we the got relationships, a lot of love language because we had we had like about an hour of really good conversations, and every time we do that, <laughs> Nate and I were just like, "Man, we should be recording this right yeah. now. This is podcast material." That's how the podcast started, man. Yeah, and that's kind of what banter is all about, like good things start with banter and that's i think we we go back to that every time Mm -hmm. because if you look at fucking boardroom meetings corporate or not it usually for the most part a successful meeting starts off with small talk or banter or a little bit of just kind of getting the beak wet you know and then it kind of leads into the you know the nitty-gritty yeah absolutely but putting down those sandwiches and getting yeah. right into the the meat and potatoes it's the evolution of conversation really yeah not the other way around no never talk is cheap banter is free get some <laughs> um 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Do you have anything to add on that? Or? Yeah, I think this was a, a solid episode. I think, I think um, so. we're a little bit more conscious about, I guess you could say, the dialogue and the value we offer with it. Um, because our attention spans are pretty short, I think. Definitely. We're empathizing with our listeners and um, providing more uh, value, I feel. Yeah, at least we're trying. Yeah, you know? we're trying. Um, and I think, you know, going off Nate's point is like, when you, if you start to listen to us regularly, hopefully you do and whatever, but I think you're going to get lots of different modalities of us because we're pretty dynamic people mm-hmm. and we like to talk about a lot of stuff. So, you know, one episode might be a little more serious. One episode might be just total fuckery. Yep. But I think that adds to it. So whether you consider this a podcast that's going to just always give you value, that's not going to be us. You're going to learn some valuable stuff, but it's also it's like you guys are just listening to us talk. You're like either fly on the wall and we're trying to integrate maybe something down the road where, you know, we're going to have a guest on and have almost it'll be more like talk radio, I think. Yeah, it's more introspective to like other ideas that you and me alone we wouldn't consider. But Mm -hmm. having conversations like these, we're able to understand new ideas or think of new things that we find interesting yeah it's definitely personality and and thought driven as opposed to it we don't have an agenda of like this is going to be this and this is what you're going to get out of it podcasts do exist like that but i think that's not us right now we're off the cuff we off the cuff we do it live we do it live we get our pants dirty we steal wool your pantyhose jump out of a cake we brush your gums jump out of cakes sometimes rarely but i don't know Press your white pants. Life is what you make it. It's a life is like a box of chocolates. White chocolate. You never know how it's gonna. How go. many cavities you're gonna get? Yeah, that too. Fuck you know, cavities, when, man. <laughs> when life hands you lemons. When life, no, 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 no. When you have enough eggs, when you have the remaining eggs in that fridge, you know what you do. Swallow them whole. Make a flan. What's a flan? <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> Make <Flan>. a quiche. Quiche. <laughs> quiche That's is actually it. pretty good. Do an omelet. Oh, I love omelets. I will punch a baby in the I'm leg for an omelet right now. I was never a fan of omelets. I don't know why. I freaking... Oh, my God. I want an omelet. You're an egg boy. I'm an egg boy. Ask anybody that knows me. <laughs> I'm an egg boy. I am an egg consumer. I will eat eggs all hours of the day. And I'll fucking do a little dance and a little ditty bop and a shoulder fucking swirl when I'm eating eggs. When I cook, I do a little dance. I'll spin around the corner and the counters and shit. I like eggs. I like eggs. Eggs you, are my like favorite. You, how do you crack your egg, though? Do you like... Are you fancy Sometimes with I'll it? Sometimes I'll crack it over my knee. Yeah? No. But, uh... Sometimes I'll do the one-hander, depending one-hander? on if I'm uh, if I'm multitasking. Yeah. Usually I you're am multitasking. You're cooking for yeah. others. I put a lot of soul music on when I when I cook because soul food, food. Soul food, totally. Yeah. Don't be eye candy. Be soul food. Soul candy. That's for all you Instagram models out there. Yeah, get us together, tighten up. <laughs> Face like ooh, <laughs> booty <laughs> like ah. <laughs> yeah, hoes wanna fight me. Pussy hoes wanna fight. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs> Period. Tighten up. What y'all talking about? 
Oh, oh, you talking about? This is a little preemptive to next episode. We're watching uh, Love is Blind on Netflix. Ooh, Ooh a little sizzle puppy. So got the, juicy. We got the reunion coming up. We're going to be shit. doing a, a live uh, event for that. Ooh, that'd like, be fun. That would be. A live commentary? That would be some. Oh, man. Rogan commentary for some Amazing. fucking. Amazing. For a fucking reality TV show. Oh, be, I want to uh, talk about it now. Fuck. We got a table. No, 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 no. Next, next we episode. Save it. You Next episode. What? That's that way we'll get the full shebang. We can both talk about the whole season because we haven't fully talked about it yet. And yeah. then we're gonna get the reunion in there too. Yeah, I, that'll be good. We'll it'll it. be like a summation of what we actually think because we're gonna get to hear and empathize on the characters. Even though I feel pretty strongly about yeah. certain ones, yeah. which I'm sure all of you do have watched it, and so does Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reason why we watched or we want to talk about this because it's going to lead us into the topic of relationships, love language, expectations, the whole nine, fulfillment traps, because I see a lot of that on the show, um, you know, and like, you know, these people living not entirely for themselves, but, you know, from their family and their upbringing, not entirely questioning yeah. what their values are. Because when you grow up, when you when you're born, you're born into your religion or family beliefs. You're born into what your family wants for you. You know, that's coming from a good place, but we don't often question that all the time. That's what we will be questioning in the next episode. We got some oh. banter buzzwords. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think we should cap it off here, man. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. I'm going to be wearing one sock. Um, I'm wearing all white next time for sure. Yeah, I'm going to wear some fucking uh, some linen pants. Yeah, some white linen. Ankle negligence. That's another, that's going to be paired in with our next episode. Yeah. Okay. I think we're going to touch on maybe relationships and all that other, all that other jazz that we were talking about. Mm. Maybe like pet peeves that we see around the city because there are lots of them. Dude, not going to lie though. I kind of want to show some ankle today after seeing so many bare ankles. Don't do it. Yeah, I didn't though. I respect my ankles. For all my friends out there that follow me on my personal social media account, my Instagram, you already know that I have a highlight story reel called ankle negligence. It's hashtagged. It sounds like an actual, like, like a doctor would fucking yeah. diagnose you with that. That's why my hashtag <laughs> is sometimes like pray for ankle negligence oh or pray God. for our ankles. Like It's fucking, it's real. Especially real in thing. Toronto, it's fucking real. I mean, I don't want to get too fired up because we can go on forever about it. So we'll have yeah. to save that. Yeah. Pet peeves coming up. Coming up. Coming up hot off the press, out of the microwave. Fresh out the oven. Right into your rods and cones of your eyeballs and your right retinas. Right into your mouth. Retina. Displays. <laughs> <laughs> you cut. Don't even know what that was. All right, this All is right. Uh, banter. Don't forget to uh, um, your beak and rub the the lamp, and the genie will pop out. Bitch. See ya. Alrighty, friends, comrades, pals. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you dig the content and want to stay in tune with what we've got going on in our personal and very private lives, tough luck. Just kidding. You can certainly follow us on our Instagram page. The handle is at bntr.cast. Or don't. Do what you want. It's your life. Just saying. If you have a topic in mind or want to be a guest on the show, you know, come hang out, chop it up, jump out of a cake, shoot us a message at hello at createbanter.com. So thanks again, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.